Hi, I'm Lisa Lloyd, and I'd like to welcome you to the second series in my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. In series one, we explored what we mean by employee experience, and so now we are ready to unpick the how to achieving that. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and business owner of It's Time for Change, I meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra, get people right, get business right. I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. I feel very honored to be joined by the talented David McLeod today. Along with Nita Clark, David produced a report in 2009 titled Engaging for Success, a study of organizations across the UK demonstrating high employee engagement and high performance. Since then, David has developed the Engage for Success movement, which is committed to the idea that there's a better way to work, a better way to enable personal growth and organizational growth by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. The movement focuses on growing awareness about the power and potential of employee engagement, provoking people to think and to learn more about it and to take action. And I like the fact it really provides evidence, case studies and practical tools which support people to take that action. So welcome, David. Thank you. I would love to hear a bit more about you to start with, um, because that's quite a journey you've you've been on. Um, and also to hear a little bit more about how you became an OBE. So let's let's start by just hearing who David McLeod is. <laughs> okay, start with the easy question. <laughs> who am I? <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, I'll try to keep it relevant. Um, I, uh, I I did a degree in business studies actually, and uh, because I like the I like the subject in it rather than I was particularly interested in business. Anyway, one thing led to another, and I joined uh, what was then. Britain's largest company uh, in, uh, I tried to get into HR, but I messed up on the form and they offered me a job in um, sales and marketing. And I thought that sounded interesting. Uh, and so I joined sales and marketing uh, for Dulux and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, we had a huge time of innovations where I really learned that, you know, the brand was flagging and we introduced a whole range of new things, incredibly exciting, incredibly demanding, fraught with uh, failure as well as some success. The biggest success was um, was uh, rose white, lily white, apple white. The whole natural white thing came out of all that, which was um, which was fascinating. That's a, almost a case study in itself because the only reason we actually managed to deliver it was because we were doing so badly. There was a sort of sense around, well, we'd better try something, uh, and that gave us permission and a big bureaucracy to make things happen. So that was that was fun, but I did learn. I did learn that some people had the energy and creativity um, and some organizations created the conditions in which people had the energy uh, and creativity to come up with new forms of competitive advantage, mm. um, which power the whole organization. Uh, so I did that, then went on and ran businesses, uh, individual businesses across the five major countries in Europe, one across Europe, and finally, a global business as a division of an even larger company, which was a merger of uh, a Unilever business and some other businesses. Um, so the bulk of my experience has been managing things. So I come at the, what we're going to talk about from 
the perspective of I have a quarterly result to produce and too many of those go badly, I lose my job. <laughs> you know, this is about performance. Um, uh, and uh, we might talk about well-being and things like that, but but I come at it from how do how are organizations successful? You know, no cash, no business. It's very simple. So we have to worry about customers and competitive advantage. So I got incredibly interested in it. And as I say, through this whole period, I, I just realized that, that um, uh, how important it was to garner people together who and find those people, enable people who own the issues in front of them. Uh, you know, there's, only, there's only four ways to make business successful. And they all have really engaged people at the heart you know, competitive advantage, wonderful customer service, innovation, opening up new markets. Those are the ways that organizations succeed. So um, uh, I decided um, uh, that I'd write a book about it, <laughs> try and promote, if you like, the sense of the people dimension in all this. That is not to denigrate the need to make sure you're, you're doing something that has a fair chance of succeeding. If you decide to launch a new range of telephone kiosk, you will probably fail, or a new range of fax machines. Uh, of course, what you're trying to do has to have analysis over it, Porter's forces, activity-based costing, and so on. However, that is only part of the story. It's been the dominant part of the story for far too long, and it's time for us to recognize that the people who have to deliver these things uh, we have to worry about them. We have to worry about the humanity uh, in the organization that enables us to give the things that then produce the performance. And so I was watching a podcast the other day reminding me that most strategies, particularly in the noughties, were, uh, weren't strategies at all. They were a set of goals. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like um, a football manager coming out and saying, I have I've a totally clear strategy. I want you to score two goals within the first 30 minutes after half time, right? Are you clear? Are you absolutely clear that that's what we're going to do? Nope, that's very, you know, that's not a strategy. And, and, and you can't believe the number of really great organizations. You look at the strategy, it's page after page with numbers mm. or basically goals with no real sense of what well, A, what the competitive advantage is, but B, how they will create the capabilities in addition to deliver that. So I wrote a book um, and uh, um, I'd also been a non-exec of three government departments. I'd worked in the cabinet office, and I was asked to um, I was asked to give a presentation to um, to uh, Bayes, um, and I did. And someone in the audience had been asked to find someone from the private sector to lead a study on employee engagement, and um, and I I was kind of there, if you know what I mean. Um, what was what was it that um, uh, that comedian said? You know, turning being there, turning up is the critical thing. So uh, I happened to be there and turn up. And uh, so they asked me to work with an absolutely wonderful person called Nita Clark, uh, whose background is totally different from mine, but we get on like a house on fire. We agree on virtually everything. Um, her background is a union movement and worked at number 10 for five, six years, I think, um, and runs a small organization um, called the IPA. So we, we spent a year absolutely fascinating from certainly from my point of view and her point of view, talking to a whole range of organizations about employee engagement. Um, and the great thing is if you're writing it for government, virtually all doors open. 
Mm. Um, and so if we want to speak to a chief executive, they'll see us. So you want to speak to the Institute of something or other, they'll see you. If you want to get the big research houses to, to uh, open up their, uh, their Trevor treasure trove of insights, they do. So we had this fantastic year and at the end of it, uh, we wrote the report. And Nita and I are very, very complimentary, apart from um, getting on like a house on fire. She can write. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe if I have a contribution, I try and work out. We had 64 pay, points of logic that all ran on one from another that ran right through the report. Um, but Nita crafted it and brought it alive um, beautifully. So we wrote the report uh, and I've probably talked for too long. Um, the report was out. Uh, basically, I will finish this thought. People said, it was time, it was timely, it wasn't, well, we were very clever, but it was timely that a report on the sort of people aspects of business um, was, uh, was written. Uh, and they said, but that's not enough. Uh, just to have a report, it doesn't really, we don't know what to do, how to get started, we want more help. And we said, well, we're not going to um, develop a consultancy. Uh, we, I'm not going to uh, start to offer, you know, the 10 steps to heaven, you know, the, the, the sort of paid by numbers approach, because every context is different. Mm. But maybe we could really build on the themes we came up with in the report. And if people were on, on their word, as it were, i.e. this is very important and we're energized by it, why don't we just gather that energy together and create a movement, a task force and a movement and a sponsor group to push the thing along. Mm. And that's what we tried, uh, what we tried to do. And um, we had, um, we had uh, uh, a fair amount of success. We don't claim the whole employee engagement uh, push, but we certainly think we perhaps helped it along. And uh, uh, we believe absolutely passionately in the importance of this for the individual, because mm. if you're engaged, you tend to have a better sense of well-being. Uh, success, more more engaged people, more successful organisations. So organisations are successful, mm. more successful organisations, the more successful country. And maybe we'll touch on that because yeah. we're facing a lot of challenges yes. as a country. So it uh, it feeds into all those things. I love the fact that it sounds like your success, the amazing things you've achieved, have based have, have come about from filling in an HR form wrong or ticking the wrong box and being in the right place like being in the right room a cabinet office that, you know when people talk about when you're at school like what's your career plan what where yeah. where what are you going to be doing and yeah, actually yeah. two quite significant moments for you um yeah. open new doors and I and I love that it's those new opportunities that come along well another way of putting it is luck <laughs> <laughs> Lots of, well and a, and a wonderful teacher I was a late starter at school and a wonderful teacher said I don't think he's quite as thick as you all think he is I just think he hasn't started and um I owe that uh, I owe that guy a lot I didn't think at the time as he gave me extra extra lessons but but he did get me going but you know what I also think there is for me there's an underlying message which is actually we can't over plan you know, some, yeah. sometimes people say, actually, this is my course and this is for the next 10 years. And this is how exactly what each step looks like. And actually you have yeah. to be open to, well, I didn't, that didn't go according to plan, but there's new opportunities arisen here. And actually I've just met this really interesting person and they're, they're interested in this particular yeah. thing, which actually really stimulates me and being open to seeing that, which sometimes if we have a very clear path, we, yeah. we don't look 
I think um, I think um, just picking out that theme. Um, too much over management, too much Gantt chart stuff done in the wrong way. You can feel the energy being sucked out of the organization. You know, the, the sort of um, right, it's 10:30 on Tuesday. Where's the where's the plan for 10:30 on Tuesday? And you just the, the the spontaneity, the enthusiasm, the creativity is sucked out of the organization. Now, of course. If you don't have a plan, then any road takes you there. And that's a bloody nightmare. Uh, mm. And uh, certainly one wants to avoid that. So it is a sort of a real sense of, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but a real sense of what it is we're trying to achieve is very important. And a broad sense of how we're going to get there. Mm. Uh, covering things, yes, like competitive advantage and customer service and so on. But also um, really embracing and enabling everyone uh, to make their contribution and to feel valued in so doing. Mm. Uh, so um, a certain amount of process, yes, but never forget processes are the servant of what you're trying to do, not the master. And so many organisations, uh, it's the wrong way around. Also, you often find fearful organisations. That's what happens, because as long as I followed the process, <laughs> I'm not going to be fired. Yeah. Um, it's a kind of a transparency thing. Yeah. And, and I, I feel sympathetic for some people in the public sector, you know, because everyone's having a crack at them. And mm. so uh, that's why they follow the process. So at least they've got that to hide behind, which is not really by and large helpful. This is why I really wanted you on this podcast, David, because you're talking about processes and servants and humanity. And you're talking about, you know, you start off talking about performance and but you, you know, it's, it's about the cash and it's about achieving what the business is supposed to be achieving, but you've got to focus on the people and everything you're talking about. I kind of want to keep giving you a round of applause <laughs> because, because it's actually, you know, you're, you're talking the same language that I talk, but you have, you know, you've written this report, you're behind this whole movement. You're, um, you, you have that credibility, which, which will, which obviously will come out um, as we talk through this, this podcast. So um, yeah, awesome to hear what you're saying. <laughs> So tell me a little bit more about for you what employee engagement actually means when we because that's a that's a term that's banded around sure. a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, actually, even all those years ago when we wrote the report, we counted sixty four definitions of employee engagement. Wow. Um, now, um, does that matter? Well, it matters a bit, but don't forget if you as an organisation sit down you know collectively together either physically or through social media or whatever and you write a paragraph or a form of words that speaks to you all about what you're trying to achieve with and through people mm. that's probably the right, right definition for you because mm. it relates to your context mm. however it's a bit lame to leave it there so we did work at, at trying to get out what what is what really is the thought that lies behind all these definitions and we thought, in a sense, it was um, it was this. Look, there's a level of capability and potential in me, in you, in all of us. If you put me in one situation, you get a sort of some of my capability, and I develop to some extent. I might even go backwards, actually. Mm. But if you put me in a different, a much better situation, you get a much more of what I'm capable of offering, and I develop much further. And in essence, engaging employees is about 
ensuring that what they're capable of offering, and we, we all have different levels or different types or different contributions, really includes, but I'm enabled to be in flow and to offer my, I'm not contorted by anxiety, uh, this concept of psychological safety. I'm not, I'm not constantly being um, belittled. I'm respected. I'm listened to. You know, all these things help people to, uh, to offer their much more of, maybe even all of their capability. And actually, as um, Sir Alan Jones, who you really is credited with bringing much of Japanese manufacturing from Japan to Britain said, the, the, uh, managers have two jobs. Uh, one is to enable people to the best they can be, but the other is that they, that they don't know how good that can be. And their job is to enable people to realize they can be even better than they thought they could be. And, you know, and the sort of way of thinking about that is, Someone says, David, could you, um, could you, um, oh, I don't know, could you launch this conference, set up this whole conference? And you think, well, I've never done that before. I'm not sure I can do that. Blimey, got all these speakers and they've got a budget. I'm not sure I can do that. And you get a bit of coaching, a bit of help. And six months later, you delivered a fantastic conference. And, you know, you leap while your shoulders are back, you feel good. You know, so the next challenge, and, and after a few years, you've developed because people have poured confidence in, you've had some successes, you've learned from failure. Failure is an opportunity to learn, not an opportunity to beat you up and find, you know, find fault. Um, these organizations, these people come through these things and they've developed and there's much more, they've developed more than they thought uh, they were capable of. And they go home um, tired, but not frustrated. Because mm. work is tiring. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was a woman in, in Webber's report, was a woman in Wales, and uh, I was talking with her because she worked for an organisation been around 20 years. And two years before we arrived, they got onto this whole topic of employee engagement. So I said to the, this new management, I said, well, can I speak to someone who went through the transition? And they said, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, go and speak to, we'll call her June. So I said to June, well, so how was it? Well, she said, for the first 18 years, I was thought of as a bit of a rebel, which management subsequently confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> but then she said, they started to ask for my opinion when this new lot came in. Um, so I bothered to think up an opinion. Mm. I, started to, um, I started to feel more valued. I was more valuable. And then I've never forgotten, she looked at the floor, she smiled and, I could, and she looked up and I could see she was deciding whether to add something. And eventually she said, and by the way, my husband says I'm easier to live with. <laughs> now, I thought it entirely throw a remark, because as I said, if you are frustrated and it's sort of burnout, rust out and you, know, you go home, um, tired but frustrated tired and you kick the they kick the cat you kick the filing cabinet you're grumpy or in her case you take it out in the husband mm. if you are in a situation and let's be real world now work is tiring but you go home in a reasonable state mental state albeit tired then it's just the next part of the day and it might be playing with the kids it might be going for a walk it might be watching your favorite program but it's just the next part of the day and, and uh, it, that's why I think this topic is works at a personal level, every bit as much, and in sense through that, then works at the organizational level. 
Uh, and uh, so that's what I think it is. It's about putting people in a situation where they can be in flow, they can be positive, they can make a contribution and they feel good about doing it. And I love that explanation of June because um, you know, that I talk a lot about that difference between stress and stretch. So, you know, being stressed um, isn't a great state to be in, but actually when you're stretched to your potential and you have that sense of meaning and purpose and achievement and you have an internal sense of status because you know what you're doing is making a difference and your values and so on that is ticking all those emotional needs that's the bit that drives us and energizes us like you say you can feel absolutely exhausted but you're still buzzing and Mm. and you know and that's hence the 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 title of this podcast beyond the water cooler because if people are feeling frustrated feeling wound up about stuff at work they will be grumbling about it and you know, in the olden days, we were all in offices around water coolers. That's where all the conversation, or the coffee pot. That's where the conversations happen. Mm. Um, and of course, that's happening less and less. A lot of people are, are venting at home now. But actually, I want to, I want for people to be able to express those opinions in a workplace that enables positive mm. change. So rather than grumbling about it and taking it out on your cat, your husband, let's have an opportunity at work to say this isn't working for me or I can see a better way of doing that absolutely <clears throat> absolutely there were the uh, that thing about um uh what was it Welch used to go about the, the energy takers and the energy givers mm. and you know the energy they uh Gallup is a huge bit of work for every energy taker you need five energy givers to, to compensate the energy takers the person you get out of the car in the car park and you walk towards the front door and the and the energy taker says, uh, you know, you say, are you going to the uh, going to the monthly cascade? No, I'll go to that. I mean, last time it was hopeless, wasn't it? I mean, do you honestly believe that stuff? Oh, Christ. Well, what planet are they on? You know, and by the time you get the front door, you want to kind of, oh, no, you want to go home. <laughs> and then occasionally you walk, you fall in beside someone and say, uh, things all right? Yeah, actually, we've got this, this incredibly demanding meeting today. We've got got big customers coming in but we've really planned it we've got plan a and a plan b and if we put it off that's going to lead to a whole string of great positive actions and uh, output so we're really going for it and you think well i've got a chat i'm really going to go for mine now if you if you've got people who are broadly creating uh, a sort of positive energy giving atmosphere energy atoms as someone in the public sector called it to me when we were doing the work um then um uh, then uh, th- that creates uh, an atmosphere that gives wings air on the other people's wings to uh, to do it. There's somebody called um, I'm a huge fan of her, Gillian um, Gillian Stamp, and she talks about the tripod, uh, tasking, trusting, and tending. You know that your job is to is to task clearly. You know what would success look like, and if they're very senior, um, uh, uh, they then in the real world, you know, you might be talking about um, a lot of scope. And success in five years if they're very very junior and very we're not allowed to talk ages are we but very young and very junior it might be success over the next few months mm-hmm. with probably a bit less scope but either way they get scope to bring themselves um so you task clearly you give them scope so they can you tend you know it is it is the taxpayers money the shareholders money so you, and you want them to succeed so you it's a tending relationship uh, and you trust because in that trust that's that's the um, that's the the oil, if you like, in in people then uh, finding those mechanisms to offer their creativity and so on. So I often think of that's quite a a, a nice kind of uh, nice kind of way. Last thing I'll say, triggered by what you said, 
although McKinsey's are absolutely down the analytical side of the analysis, <clears throat> um, which has its place, but it's by no means complete. Uh, I think it was them who had a, quite a nice little phrase for employee engagement, um, making progress in meaningful work. You know, we want to, you, speaking up your theme, Lisa, you know, you want to be seen to be making progress and it's that bit more helpful if you think there's some point to it, uh, which doesn't need, to, it doesn't need to be changing the world, but it can be that something that's broadly positive. Uh, so what is the, um, in terms of having this whole conversation around employee engagement, what's the evidence that if we focus on this, it makes a difference? Because I know that's something, yeah. um, you know, I talk a lot about the evidence rather than just this is the latest um, kind of fad. And I know on the, the website there are various uh, references yeah, yeah. To, to places to go and um, to check it out. But I would really love to hear from you. What <clears throat> you yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, it's a good question. Um, I won't grind through lots of statistics because they <laughs> are on the website and we'd all die of boredom. Um, but... Uh, I suppose there's there's two there's two ways of, of looking at it. Um, let's start with uh, if you if you divide companies into quartiles of levels of engagement, because <clears throat> lots of surveys and so on, and it's it's crude but it's broadly right. So top organization of top quartile uh, levels of employee engagement, and compare those with bottom quartile performance, uh, very low levels of engagement, in other words, and then you look at outcomes. Now, this is a correlation. Yes. Causation is almost impossible to prove because for causation, you need the same market circumstances, yeah. you need the same competitive advantage, the same uh, uh, economic backcloth, uh, the same customer. You, you never get oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> but there comes a point where there's so much correlation and so much evidence, you say, pretty much there's causation and certainly some ironically some of the nhs work they would say it's causation mm. anyway if you compare these two correlation then uh the top quarter bottom quarter uh, twice the level of profitability two and a half times uh the revenue growth um customer customer service at least 12 percent better customer service although i think that's an underestimate for reasons i can mention Big, big, huge Gallup study uh, a while ago. I think it was about 20,000 business units and the top quarter were 18% more productive than the bottom quarter, which is about the deficit in UK productivity compared with other countries. Mm. How many politicians talk about employee engagement? <laughs> the they bloody well should be. Innovation um, uh, of the more engaged, 59% say work brings out my most creative ideas. Mm. Of the least engaged, 3% say work brings out my most creative ideas. Uh, well-being is um, a good correlation. The um, Dane Carol Black, uh, who's, uh, you will know, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. She, well, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. And she uh, she beat a path to our door actually and said I'm glad you're writing this report because um, I'm a doctor um, and uh, and she is this expert on absenteeism mm. so she said um, she said uh, uh, I, I, I know about causes of it but I come at it through the medical lens but over my years of work 
I have concluded that whether the boss, the manager, is engaging or not, would do as much for people's um, mental health, health, as I can do through muscular, skeletal diet and all the other things. Uh, and so, uh, what was it? The, uh, it was a reporter I'm trying to remember it back. It was, um, I think, it was uh, a Gallup report, was it? That um, your chances of a heart attack uh, if you've worked in a disengaging environment for more than two years was about thirty percent higher. It, I, I, I'm, I'm wanting to say fifty percent, but I'll just turn it down to thirty. <laughs> it was a very big figure, and and uh, so. Uh, retention uh 40 fewer regretted leavers now that's right on the money at the moment yes um and uh health and safety uh, a better um uh, a better correlation with uh, in, uh for better health mm. uh, sorry for better uh, safety uh when uh, when they're engaged so there's now look that's one whole set and then the other one is this thing called common sense <laughs> i mean you know you walk in you walk into a place and um, I don't think you need training, do you? You walk in an office, right? And everyone's kind of, you know, they're down like this, you know, and they're looking at it through the core of the eye and the shoulders are down and there's a quiet atmosphere and it feels kind of flabby and not much going on. And you walk another place, you know, the shelves are back, they look you in the eye, there's a sparkle, there's a bit of humour, a bit of teasing, a bit of energy, and guess what? <laughs> Which correlates with performance. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't need uh, 10 years of experience in this area. You know it, you sense it, you know when someone's... You, and you every time you pick up the phone to a customer service, well, I bet you, what, nine, maybe four times out of five, if you guessed whether that employee was happy in their job, you guess it right. There's yeah. just some, you know, they can read the word. It's just some vibe. Yeah. I, I talk a lot about the fact, um, and, and people get bored of me mentioning this, that what this is not rocket science. Mm. What I do is not rocket science. Mm. It's, it's, it's that common sense. You treat people well, you give them the right opportunities, they'll flourish. Mm. it's really mm. simple and people mm. seem to forget mm. that and they get so bogged down with numbers which is why they mm. need to see the evidence and hear the evidence yeah, yeah. but actually when we step back and just look at how we engage with people um just being compassionate and yeah. just treating people well it yeah. is not rocket science <laughs> lisa just one one little point sometimes um can get a little bit lost in this i completely aligned with you and completely agree with you sometimes uh, people sort of start to drift slightly into the area of democracy and um, sort of um, it's all about happiness and so on and so on, about being popular. There were two shift leaders and one of the big card companies. And one of these shift leaders had great levels of employee engagement and the other shift leader didn't. So they thought for a bit of a laugh, they'd swap the shift leaders over to see what happened. So they did. And of course, over time, the engagement scores followed the shift leader. But what was very interesting was they said to the group that, um, that was feeling engaged because they liked working for this, this person, he was a chap, they said, um, uh, would you like to go to the pub with this bloke? And apparently they said there was lots of sort of 
tea sucking. Mm. Mm. Well, not sure really. And and actually, it wasn't about him being popular. He wasn't actually that popular. He did. They didn't want to go to the pub with him. He wasn't a sort of Boris Johnson type. He, but he, what he was was he was um, he was um, uh, fair. He coached. He was clear. The feedback was good. The training came when it was needed. They felt safe. He did the things that enabled them to yes. do the things you and I've been talking about. Yeah. But he didn't go for popularity. Mm. He went for, for, for those things, which I think. And the only other thing I'd say is this is not about avoiding difficult decisions. You know, you're not going to please everybody. If you can, if you can open one new store a, a year and half the group think it should be Manchester and the other half think it should be Leeds, Mm. somebody's going to be pissed off exactly and but you can't avoid that decision because if you do everyone's pissed off because you get this sort of headless chickens thing where everyone's running around the issue is how you take those decisions mm. in such a way that i was listened to mm. i didn't win the argument um, um i can live with the fact it's going to leeds not manchester because there were good arguments for that mm. and i'll get on with my job rather than where the hell does this decision come from you know i would no one asked me blah 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 and then that depreciates so don't avoid taking difficult decisions don't go for popularity mm. go for doing the good things well that we'll speak about and that's the bit that people really benefit from coaching isn't it and yes. that support mm. in terms of having a confidence to get off the fence and say right this is how we're doing it because and yeah. and not worrying about upsetting people and so on I think yeah for a lot of people they feel particularly in leadership if it can feel quite lonely so that yes. sense of am I doing the right thing am I I know mm. I'm going to piss those people off is that okay and having someone else has got your back and you can check things out with and um yeah. just had the nod yeah you're doing the right thing yes, <laughs> um, yes. I think it's hugely important so <clears throat> you're so with everything that's happening today uh in today's climate hmm. how relevant is the 2009 report <clears throat> well you know it's a great uh, great question um uh, and we have to be uh, very sensitive to what we're talking about, essentially through all this which is understanding a context and working within a context and how has the context changed I think some things have just been accelerated through the last 10 years and some things are changing a bit of the dynamic. So, I mean, the, the sense that, um, I love this expression, if you look at pressures coming on organisations, uh, has your market been Ubered? <laughs> you know, who, who can say that if I work for a sat-nav company, I've got a, a really great long-term future when suddenly up pops an app, which is free, uh, you know, yeah. Um, things are changing dramatically, which puts huge pressure on organisations uh, to do what they do, not be caught in their own success, which is very often the problem. Mm. Why change? Look at Nokia. You know, the, the woman who went, their, their employee went to China and said, I see a lot of people using, using something on their phone where they do a whole lot, you know, latterly called apps. And this is the way it's going. And of course, Nokia, world's most successful company, said, well, why on earth would we change what we do? And how many people are using it? Well, not many, you know, et cetera. The rest is history. So um, uh, recognizing that 
nothing's very stable um, and that we have to continue. Um, I think consumers have become more demanding. Uh, they want what they want, the way they want it. But interestingly, uh, they, the, the Institute of Customer Service, Joe Corson, a, a really tremendous person, huge energy, done so much to raise the profile of customer service. And she, uh, she was um, uh, saying that sort of years ago, I think it was 19th on the list was uh, of importance for customers was was my was the person I was dealing with nice to me. Mm. It's gone up to number two, I think, last time. And not only do I want the thing delivered and when I want the way I want it, and by large firms have got better at that. So now I want to speak to someone who's nice to me. I want I want the experience. Michael O'Leary, I will quote, I think accurately said, if I'd realized being nice to customers would have increased payloads, I would have been nicer years ago. <laughs> so, you know, so you've got this demand not only to do it, but to be nice. And of course, to have a good experience, 67% of people that have experience recommend the company. Mm. It's like 9% the other way around. Um, the uh, So all these pressures, single market, I mean, uh, this is not a political discussion, but the, the reality is it's much harder now to sell in, uh, in our neighbors' countries than it was. So huge demands. Those demands have been building. Uh, leaving the single market is, is a newer one. Then COVID comes, and that's fascinating. Um, I think what COVID's done is uh, it's uh, interestingly rocked some of the foundations of command and control because command and control managers were all about keeping on top of people who basically want to skive. And much to their surprise, when they were working at home, they seemed to carry on working, which is a bit of a surprise. Have I got my command and control mm. template wrong? Which is interesting. But in general, I think the good managers got better and the poor ones got worse. Mm. The poor ones started to worry about monitoring the clicks on a home-based computer and sending in endless reports about what you've done that day. And basically, you know, you, you're out of sky, so I'll try and mitigate that. <clears throat> the good ones, um, either through their own judgment or through encouragement, went out much more often on the web, much more often social interaction, were much more available. And... And therefore, they sort of fell into, I suppose, over that three categories. The command and control people who went through COVID with that whole template. The ones who went through with empathetic management, and mm. that was the middle group. And the best group were the ones who went through with empathetic management who did something about it. And doing something about it might have been... I'm, you know, I'm not paid that much and I don't have a, I don't have a PC. I don't have a desk to work at. Um, can I start later in Lisa because I've got to do homeschooling? The ones, et cetera, who did something, ones who put up lots of mental health support and places to go to and coaching availability and setting up networks for people to talk to each other and, and just simply be human beings, you know, um, the, the good ones got better and learnt things that have stayed with them through that process. In fact, I think it's McKinsey's did, um, Bob said that those who felt they've been well-managed were four times more engaged and five times better sense of well-being yes. than the other group. And all of us have got social contacts. 
mm. where um, it's everything from a uh, son of a friend of ours, his marriage was postponed three times. Uh, there was some other great challenge and his manager spoke to him once, one and one in a year. And, and others where they felt really supported uh, mm. and they realized, you know, my, my boss felt more human at the end of all this. Mm. So um, working, from, working from home, uh, it, it, I think is, uh, we've learned stuff through that we need, to, um, we need to be aware of. And then through this process, there's been a much greater sense of meaning and purpose. I'm at home. Um, I've had a chance to consider a bit more. But what I really, what do I really want? You know, I may have had a relation, God forbid, who died through this, or someone who's been really hard. What's it all about? What am I doing this for? Which, why was it 19 million people in the states uh, resigned, 36% of whom had no job to go to? Just I've had enough. Mm. I don't want to do it. People retiring early. It wasn't. It wasn't working. So the the uh the great resignation a the sense of what's this all for and b fascinatingly employee activism mm. is on the rise mm. because hey you used to say to me if i don't like it sod off we'll get someone else in <laughs> well there isn't yeah. anyone else who come in <laughs> so you better start thinking about the things i say to you because otherwise i'm not going to stay uh, so uh, attracting and retaining one of the most successful management consultancy companies, I said to them, what's your biggest challenge at the moment? And they said, attracting people, just attracting and retaining people mm. is their biggest challenge, not uh, not the single market, not not uh, not innovation. It's it's about attracting and retaining people. So the balance of power between employer and employee, and it's a slightly old fashioned way of looking at it, but nevertheless, the power of, of um, employees has been, is at the moment transformed compared with five years ago. So there's a sort of sense of ongoing top-down market-wise pressures onto organizations that have been encouraged digitization, uh, the, uh, the, 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 some of the changes in, um, in health uh, economics and, uh, and, and robotics, AI, um, customers, more demand, blah, blah, all that stuff down and then coming up. I want meaning and purpose. You're going to have to work at, um, at employee experience if you want me to stay. Uh, I want to have a kick the ball a bit on what we're trying to do, why we're trying to do it. I want to be treated with fairness and trust. All those things coming back up the other way. And so any we hope we're going to be updating our report uh, in the not too distant future. And we will certainly be talking a lot about the forces that have been accelerated and the newer ones that have emerged, uh, all of which create a different backcloth. Mm. Um, many elements are the same, but a different backcloth to the one of 10 years ago. So what I'm interested to know then is, so we know that the the context has slightly changed, mm. but in terms of what we do about engagement, mm -hmm. has that changed? So in 2009 report, and you've mm. already mentioned today about the four enablers, essentially, <clears throat> and I, it'd be great to hear a bit more about those and mm. actually whether they have 
are the same or whether you see those changing to fit the context today? Right, good, yes, great. Well, um, as I said, uh, just to pick up the theme of a while ago, we said there are, when we went to all these different organizations, public, private, we tended to see four things emerge in the ones doing it better. They are, if you like, lenses to look through mm. when looking at the topic. They tend to enable things. You can't say which is more important. You can't say what order to do them in because they are, they are uh, lenses and it depends on your context. I think they're still relevant, but what you might do in each of these enablers will adjust dependent on your context, the big context and mm. your specific context. But the four things were these. <clears throat> the first one was, these organizations where people are uh, more engaged, they tend to have, we called it strategic narrative, which is just a really, uh, really simple thought. Is there a story I can hold in my head about where the organization came from, about where it is today, good and bad, and where it aspires to go in the future? Can I look down the mountain and see some progress we made and our origins and some of the things we want to hang on to? Mm. I'm not pretty clear about where we are today and can I talk about do I feel some commitment to the sense of what we're trying to achieve and its contribution and that should not require any visual aids <laughs> that is something <laughs> you should hold in your head yeah and if you can hold those things in the head preferably you've had a chance of kicking the ball a bit as they were developed but certainly in terms of how to implement um what it is you're trying to do uh then then these organizations said and i think that one is becoming more and more important because of i want meaning and purpose i want to understand the importance of this i want to know why i get out of the bed and if i don't like what i'm getting out of bed for now i'll do it for some so i think strategic narrative um in other words the strategy, but in the form of a narrative, I think that's uh, increasingly, increasingly important. And I think also with that pace of change, and I do a lot of work with um, a change coach called Amanda Page, and we, as part of the work we do with companies, uh, we encourage them to write their own story, create their own story based mm -hmm. on what's happened, uh, to make sense of the change they're going through, and to mm -hmm. have that sense of mm -hmm clarity so that it all makes sense and they can they're clear about it themselves but they can explain it to other people and it's it starts to embed the changes so that it makes sense for them yes i think it's absolutely right there was um, i'm just looking at the well i've got my um my prop here but i don't think i all right yes i do um there was a firm i went to the other day small firm and they most people have got one of these <laughs> Your phone. And so they said to everyone right just stick it in front of another employee minute two minutes and get them to say what they what they'd like the company to be in the future what what is it we're trying to do and they put it there and they call that the big book of the future and they put them all together cost you about 200 quid to get a little splicing machine uh, thing and put it all on the web and uh, and and create this big book of the future that we've developed uh, developed together i mean i think a really a really nice way of um i, I mean I'm a huge devotee of, of Daniel Kahneman's uh, work. I think I think it's I think it's um, uh, I'm not a great one for management theories, but but that, no, that's not a theory, is it? His sense that our emotional our emo our emotions 
are massively more important in the driver of our decisions than we really like to think they are. We all like to think we're free thinkers, but you probably vote the way your parents voted. You probably, you know, et cetera. So are much more important. And so um, a story tends to get to the emotion much better. I know organisations that do plays, you know, do a five-minute skit on what it's like today to deal with us, mm. a five-minute skit on what they like it to be in the future, mm. Re- or draw pictures. There was, um, there was a, uh, we were with a large organisation and the manufacturing boss, who's was a manufacturing baron, really, big senior bloke, blah, blah. And uh, they said, go up and draw a picture of where the organisation is today. And he stood this big bloke and said, I don't draw pictures. <laughs> oh, come on, look, we're all doing it. That's a way that, come on. So reluctantly got up and he drew a picture on the flip chart of what was clearly head office. And there was windows on the top. And out of each window, he drew flames coming out. And, and it said more evocatively what he felt about the organisation than any words could. Mm. Um, I know... Uh, there's, a, there's a, a technique that I've seen consultants use, you know, where there's a sort of swimming pool scene and they say, well, where are you? Are you, are you drinking pina colada over there in the corner? Are you looking at the pool like they are? Are you in the shallow end or have you dived in like they have? Where are you in the story of, you know, get at the emotion. So, um, uh, and, and there's all sorts of ways that, um, ways that people can do that. Bear in mind, was it 40%, Ernst uh, Young said, of employees don't understand the strategy? Yes. And mo- most don't because it's all wrapped up in jargon. Mm. It's numbers, as you read earlier on, it doesn't speak to me. I don't really know. Are we up market? Are we down market? Are we going for overseas? Are we low cost? Are we high cost? What's our competitive advantage? All these things are not answered and it leads to, um, it leads to uh, all sorts of uh, suboptimal, um, suboptimal behaviours. Um, was it that um, 500 executives in a big Ernst & Young um, they put them together, 80% believed that meaning and purpose drives employee satisfaction and the ability to transform. So it's kind of there, it's not there deep enough, but we're using the words anyway. So that's the first one. I better speed up, haven't I? The second one is, um, is this, um, everyone has a boss, whether you're the COO or the most youngest junior person, you've got a boss, we'll call them a manager. Mm. Um, was it 62% of all Americans would prefer a new boss to a pay rise? Hmm. So the question is, what are the 38% doing? Hmm. And essentially, these bosses we're happy to work for, they do three things. One is, I mentioned it before, they task, trust, and tend. I'm clear what success would look like in my role, and I'm given some scope. Secondly, you do not feel you are treated as employee 483. You are treated as a human being by your manager. They, and they can do that in a whole range of non-tree-huggy, real-worldy ways. You know, it can be anything from, I have childcare issues on Thursdays, can I come an hour later, stay an hour later? It can be, I really, really want to move to a new function in the organization, can I, can I go and spend half a day with whatever? If it's finance, go and spend half it. I couldn't know why you want to go to finance. But anyway, you know, um, or marketing or sales. The great organizations like uh, Costa Coffee and Premier, you know, they encourage people uh, to, to, to do those things. 
it's why big performance management systems are changing from performance management to individual development reviews and so on. I'm treated as a human being. And lastly, these people, they coach their people one time per week. Now, it's not a formal sit down one hour every Tuesday. It's a nice, natural, in the moment feedback, mostly reinforcing good behaviours, but equally not walking past poor behaviours. Mm. If there's a poor behaviour and you're not seen to address it, the rest of the team, mm. for them, you set the standards very low. You address it in a positive way, which we could talk about, but essentially um, we are finding success. We're finding examples of things we want more of and we're encouraging it, enabling it, affirming it, praising it publicly uh, and, uh, and thereby encouraging it. Not doing that kind of, um, that thing of the, um, it's almost like one of those sketches, you know, when something goes really well and uh, you've got to comment on it because you're all in the room and it goes something like, well, that didn't go nearly as badly as I thought it was going to go, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so lots of examples in there, but let's move on. The third thing uh, is we called employee voice. Mm. Voice travels from the most junior to the most senior. It travels from the front end of the business, marketing, sales, customer service, through to the back office. Voice is available. And with today's social media techniques available, there is no excuse not to really know what people are thinking. People want to feel heard. They don't want, they don't expect to win every argument, but they want to feel respected. They want to feel heard. And uh, it's incredibly important that um, that that uh, that, that happens. A kind of you said we did, or better still, we said we did yeah. kind of uh, approach to uh, to life. Um, all sorts of different ways of doing that, which we could um I'll I'll rush on past, but there's all sorts of techniques on the web that people have used and we've come across to do it. The, the other thing to say before I leave that one is, it is also the cheapest smoke alarm mm. you'll ever come. Mm. I mean, how come Volkswagen got to point where, what did it cost them? Was it 12 billion or something? Because they've been gaming the emissions tests and no one knew at head office. Well, yeah. I don't think people knew that. Or, you know, the Morton Tharkoll uh, engineer said, you shouldn't launch this rocket. It's not. It's too cold for the for the tiles, and they all died. Uh, the BP engineers who were concerned about the rate at which they were doing stuff and the concrete piles in the Gulf of um, Midstaff's Hospital, or at least one function of Midstaff's Hospital, when the voice can't be heard, when the voice is heard through a bit of smoke, you deal with it. Mm. You cut it off. You when I was running my businesses, things go wrong all the time. Mm. But do you catch them when they're this big? Or do you wait until you need lawyers and PR people to deal with it? And I think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because lots of companies, when I have conversations with people, they're looking at, I need to get this person in, sort this out, I need to get this person to sort that out. And these are all the problems we're having and we need always external people. And I always say to them, you have, I bet you have most of the answers within your Yes, yes, yes. You've got the resources there. You're just not asking them the right questions. Yes. So, so, it's, so it's about tapping in, isn't it, to the, yes. to the amazing insights, experience that these people already have. I completely agree. I went, I went to, um, I went to um, uh, INSEAD, did a fantastic course there. 
And uh, I do remember a Korean, Korean professor saying something like, the problem with all you cognac drinking senior Western leaders <laughs> is, and you don't get the front line. And I completely agree with you. I mean, if, if, if I was to leave any message, just ask. Yes. Yeah, ask. Yeah. You have you, when you start. You have a fantastic. When you start a new job, you have a fantastic ability to ask. But it goes on forever. Ask. People mm. know. They know what's going on. They know who the shirkers are. They know who uh, the uh, where the opportunities are. They know what's not working well. Ask. I could not agree with you more mm. than, um, than than that. Um, the final one. Very briefly, we called integrity, which is quite a simple thought. Um, most, many organisations, bigger ones anyway, have values on the wall. Mm. The question is, are those values and wall reflected in the behaviours I observe amongst my colleagues and the bosses? If the values on the wall seem to overlap with the behaviours, you get trust or integrity. Mm. If the values seem to be different to the, to the words, then the gap between the two is called distrust. And in a distrustful organisation, which I have worked in from time to time, um, everything takes forever because everyone's second guessing each other. Not much happens. It's mm -hmm. a fearful place. It's stacy, you know, it becomes uh, static. So um, uh, just make sure those values on the wall. That, that typically, if the sixth value is number five, is something to do with innovation, I've noticed. Well, we all know what the behaviour is we're looking for. What happens to somebody who innovates and doesn't work 100% well first time? Are they given a one-way ticket to Siberia or, or is it a, a learning opportunity? You know, you can kill off innovation stone dead through the behaviour you put around it. Mm. So those four things, picking up your theme, Lisa, they're, they're, they're not rocket science. They're all pretty simple. Do I know where we're going? Why are we going now? Do I feel I'm treated as a human being? Does my voice count? Don't always win the argument. And is there a sense of trust or integrity around the place? you get those four things in place, you up the odds considerably. Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Like just picking up on that values part, it's, you know, lots of, most companies will have values and, but it's about also but what they recognise and what they reward. And I've, mm. you know, working with some great companies who are very much around, this is how we promote recognition of the behaviours that drive the, the values. Um, that fulfill the values it's about what are the things is it about reaching our goal is it about yeah. securing x number of clients yeah. or whatever project yeah. or is it about yeah. i am looking out for my team or i'm speaking up and providing my opinion or whatever my you know i'm being innovative because i've been yeah. enabled to be innovative so yeah. what yeah. is it that we are recognizing and rewarding yes absolutely exactly yeah 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 um was it ed shine did the book some years ago with that um, what really drives behaviours is the top three, the the the, the things, the, the three things that manage the top management. Really, mm. it was a, there was a person who was um, uh, I was speaking to who said um, a coach. He was trying to convince this very senior architect that um, um, that their behaviours mattered, and the person, well, I, what do you mean? People aren't watching my behaviours. Ridiculous. So anyway, event persuaded there was very senior uh, female uh, runners are. And persuaded her to go round the place just carrying a magazine, <laughs> so a particular mag magazine. Yeah. Uh, God knows what it's called. Architectural? No, it wouldn't have been something obvious like Architectural Day, but some some yeah. roughly relevant but slightly obscure magazine. And uh, so, so she did. And later on, the uh, the information department said, "We've had a hell of a run on this thing called so and so." 
you know i mean it just it yeah. it matters it matters so you're i mean it's such a shame we don't have all day to talk about this because you have mentioned um and you've kind of touched on lots of practical tools and ways of going about things whether it's about how to address poor behavior and various um aspects that actually about putting this into practice like what can people do how can they do this really well so obviously going to the the website engage for success website which we'll have in the, the show notes will be a, a really obvious first yeah. port of call but for you what what else can people do in terms of getting involved in this whole movement so in terms of learning more and discovering how to really improve engagement within their organization where mm. what's how can people get involved <clears throat> well so that's a great question the um uh well set in the context of how we decided to set it up we we didn't decide to try and raise lots of money and employ people and so on as i say we just it's voluntarist i think we're 90 probably 98 percent voluntarist mm. <clears throat> we need some help with our with our website but everything else is completely voluntary um and so um, people can volunteer mm. to uh, write an article and it will go through some people It will check that it's, you know, kosher and so on um, and, uh, and go on the website. It could be volunteer to, uh, to join uh, what we call a tag, a thought and action group. There are thought and action groups or chair a thought. Maybe you've got something you're really interested in exploring, uh, performance management or the role of manager or how to expand overseas or whatever else it is. And uh, and uh, you you go on and people get attracted to join this thing and you meet a few times, probably virtually or maybe together, and then you write a write something that then gets offered back to people. Mm. So the thought and action groups get involved with there are regional networks where people can uh, say, "I'd like to." Uh, I'm based in wherever it is, Newcastle, and uh, Birmingham is a more active one that where people want to uh, uh, discuss. So you can you can go to events. We have a quarterly have an online conference which uh, it's all all these things are free um and a movement moves because people do things mm. so uh we are really keen if people here think they'd like to learn by doing or they'd like to learn by contributing in any of those ways we have a, a volunteers hub i think we uh, currently need a new leader for it um but a volunteers hub when people can go to and say i want to volunteer uh, there are some notes and thoughts and ideas on that that people can garner from and obviously it works better when people are discussing it as well and moving the ideas forward so um, anyone who feels like they want to put their shoulders to the wheel um, then uh, the uh, excellent Joe Dodds who keeps the website all going and uh, holds things together uh, through that bit uh, is uh, is you know very very pleased to uh, to garner we have somebody who does a great uh, great job Binu putting uh things on the on the web all the time on the voluntary basis other people who've been here and moved back to their line roles or uh things have changed but people are coming but i think we've had about 30 full-time secondees from uh 40 organizations or something so it's an organic thing that moves along and go onto the web see see whether you like it uh look at some of the videos uh see what's going on and um and then Put your shoulder to the wheel because we'd love that and hopefully you get something out of it and together we'll uh, reduce the number of monday morning traumas by having a slightly more productive way of leading people absolutely so as well as people checking that out 
what are a few two or three key actions that you would like to see business leaders doing now to really make a difference to employee experience employee engagement i think um well first of all pick up pick up that thought we discussed a minute ago ask Mm. ask your people make a real you've got to be open you've got to make sure that people don't feel they're taking notes and going back to their to their uh to their uh bosses and giving their bosses a hard time but just ask go around and ask you absolutely amazing what you'll pick up if you make yourself open brown bag lunches uh open sessions at nine every uh, for an hour every uh friday morning whatever else it would, lots of ways of doing it are, are blogs that people will write and then uh comments welcome and when you first do it you'll get some negative stuff but typically that gets uh, that reduces and people start to get more positive so ask your people that's more important than anything the second thing i think is this um there's transformational employee engagement and transactional employee engagement transformational tends well transactional tends to be do a survey uh feedback actions against what you've heard and blah blah it's, it's not unhelpful it can be quite helpful but transformational is when the bosses believe truly believe that people are their most important asset they truly believe that when there's a huge challenge from a competitor uh, or a customer challenge or just some challenge their instinctive reaction is let's get our people together to solve this rise to this challenge um it's it's recognizing that uh, people are the solution mm. not the problem if only they were more this or that that's a problem getting them together to solve stuff is a solution mm. now you, i can use those words but they don't mean anything really until the manager, uh, the, the leader, believes it themselves. Mm. So the way to believe it themselves, go around their organisation to bits that are working well with good outcomes and, and imbue what's going on, visit other organisations, read stuff, podcasts, go onto website, look at some of the leaders, to a point at which you start to really believe this stuff. And some of the best engaging leaders um, started out from a different place. I know some who started out purely financial. You can say, oh, it's very manipulative, it's just that. But but they realized this is a route and the more they studied it, a mm. chief executive is retired now, BA system, got it through the financial route. And I can think of others. So I would, I would implore people to examine what they really feel themselves, develop what they really feel themselves with through conversations, through those mechanisms, because when they get it, it'll start to move. Yeah. When we wrote our report, lots of people doing this well said, well, you get it or you don't, which was incredibly clear and very unhelpful. <laughs> you can't write a report saying you get it or you don't. <laughs> so just do the things that mm. mean you come to your view of it, because that's what will stick and ask people mm. how they're feeling what gets in the way you know mm. it, what works here what gets in the way here what's your dream for the organization and what's your nightmare mm. ask those four questions particularly great in the first four weeks of a new job 
but they go on uh, thereafter. And you will know what you need to do and what you need to avoid and how you can help. You'll have your agenda within about 10 conversations, in my experience. I do not exaggerate. That's great advice to finish on, because that's something that anyone listening to this could go away and do. They can go away and they can ask those questions. They can go yeah. away and think about who they are and their own style um, yeah. and how they how they show up. Yeah. Uh, I love yeah. that. David, that's been such an awesome conversation. I could honestly, there's there's so many things that you've mentioned throughout that. that I, if we had more time, I, I want to delve into deeper, but we don't have time today. So no. that's maybe another conversation, another point. Yeah. Um, on a completely different note, Sheila Lord, who is my last guest, has provided me the blind question to ask you, Mm. okay? Yeah. That if you could fix one thing in the world by shaking a magic wand, what would it be? Mm. Um, It would be that, I think it would be that um, whether you're running a hospital or a a factory or even... um, the way forward for a nation and whatever it is, whatever you're, whatever you're running or a small department or a customer service unit, you, you, you think about the things that the world's encourage you to think about, which is the sort of deductive issues, but at exactly the same level, at the same level of importance, Mm. you think about the humanity and the people issues that is kicked up by this. You give the same level of priority to the humanity of the business as you do to the uh, to the to the analytical side of the business. As Will Hutton, one of my heroes, said, um, people think of organisations as a network of transactions. Mm. They're also a social network, and so I would love for anyone, perhaps turning around a failing hospital or a school or a or a business. I'd love them all to think about the people issues at exactly the same level as the strategic issues. And guess what? The strategic issues will be more effectively managed Mm. if you get the people issues right and the results will tend to come. So I'd like people now to really say goodbye to the Henry Ford approach, Mm. you know, cut jobs up in little pieces and give you the pieces and monitor you. It doesn't, it doesn't work anymore as a complete method of because of all the changes we spoke about. Mm. So um, if I could fix one thing, I want the people issues to come way up the agenda to at least be equal to the, are we making anything anyone might want or, or selling anything or have a service that anything might want? Are we also thinking about the people involved and who we've got and what we'll need and uh are are we we caring about their development because if they grow the organization grows and if they don't we don't that's such an awesome place to finish that's just (laughs) it just summarizes beautifully i'm just sitting here just grinning at listening to you because i just um Mm. it just sums up everything that i think every company should be doing so that has been such a brilliant conversation david you are you you know this stuff inside out you could you Um, are inspirational just to listen to and I think this conversation will provoke people to think differently or provoke people to take action look at you know try some out some of the things out that we've talked about today maybe explore a bit more looking at the website we'll put the the details in the show notes 
Um, if people want to reach out to you, do they do that via LinkedIn or do they check out via the website? What what do you want to? For if they go on, um, if they uh, be lovely, if people do want to volunteer in some way to offer mm. something, or whatever, go on to the website. All the contact details are uh, there. I am on LinkedIn. I'm not very good on LinkedIn, but I'm there. Um, but uh, yeah, if people um, want something, and um, I, you know, I. Um, I will give um, uh, presentations to, I mean, look, in the practical world, if it's four people in North of Scotland, it'll be a bit tricky. But uh, if it's reasonable and timely, then, um, you know, at my stage in my career, uh, putting something back and encouraging and enabling is, um, is really, I guess, all I can do. That's fantastic. That's, that's a lot. So that's, that's brilliant. Thank you so very much, David. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you, Lisa. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you thank you for joining me today on beyond the water cooler if you love it i would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast and if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode if something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk. My details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup. To sign up, head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club. I'm always looking for new, interesting people to chat with on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. So if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to, please do get in touch. And lastly, I'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast. So drop me a line for all suggestions. And that way I can make sure that what I'm talking about is most helpful. See you next time.